Ever been told it's all in your head? Or felt like your fear of falling won't ever get better? Or maybe you wonder if you could climb a lot harder if you were able to get your mental game in check. If any of that sounds like you, you're going to love this episode with special guest Carly Rager of Project Direct Coaching. We're talking all things head game, and we might just change your perspective on a few things. Get ready to take the whip. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. Hello, hello, this team of three we have today. Ooh, ooh, Caitlin, who do we have with us? We have Carly, and I just learned her name is not Rager, but here we are, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, wait, let me tell, okay, before we before we fully introduce Carly and all of her absolute glory, um... I literally, Carly is one of my very good friends and colleagues, and I heard, I, you know when you just realize you've never said someone's last name out loud, and you don't, <laughs> and then I heard someone say Rager, and I was like, in my head, it's been Rager like, Hold the on. whole time. Yeah, Carly I see Rager, animal. and I refuse yeah. to believe it's anything but Rager, yeah. so coming on to that, when you yeah. were talking about it, I was like, no, Mm, no, mm, mm. yeah, it's Rager. Wrong. But Carly, do you want to do you want to clarify why both are correct in the most Midwestern way that your parents could have, you and your parents could have dealt with this? <laughs> totally, yeah. So yeah, my parents say Rager, and most of my family does. But you know, like at around age eighteen, a lot of people thought it was more appropriate to start calling me Rager, and that has that was what 14 years ago, and so like it's one of those things where it just like slowly evolved, where like. I, it's been said to me so many times that I will say Carly Rager too. Um, <laughs> I give up. Like, how do I pronounce my name in yeah. actuality? Uh. <laughs> and it's like one of those things where like if I had like a different last name that was being mispronounced, I might correct somebody. But the fact of the matter is like my name getting mispronounced to Rager is just like a win-win. That's just Yeah, great. it yeah. is like mm-hmm. I'm not Facts. saying one's better than the other, but one is – more fun than the other exactly that's for sure well speaking of carly yeah. being super fucking fun and cool um so like i said carly is my my dear friend and also fellow engineering quitter turned climbing drop coach drop out <laughs> gotta go bye um and carly runs her own climbing coaching business over at project direct coaching it's her and her staff of two coaches now because she's a bad bitch um and Car- <laughs> carly's business is really cool and she focuses a lot on training for the mental side of climbing along with you know the old weightlifting da 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 but carly has worked as my own kind of head game coach um for a while now and i'm always hitting carly up when i need when i need as i call it noggin help um so (laughs) carly's awesome she's a certified personal trainer and she also has her behavior change specialist certification too so she's legit kind of awesome you you know yeah pretty much pretty much sick and today we're going to be talking a lot about head game topics of 
myriad desire um, that you all requested on you, you lovely listener requested over on the Instagram. So I'm super psyched. Carly, did I miss anything? Anything else key important here? Um, There's a lot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what else name. do you want to tell people? What do you want the people to know besides how <laughs> your name is ambiguously pronounced? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think you covered the basics. I guess the only thing I'd add is like I have my AMGA SPI. So I've been doing more clinics lately at climbing festivals um, and Hell I work with yeah. Tringo. So um, we've been psyched to do more of that, get more, more in-person coaching time, especially in the outdoor setting and climbing festivals are a great way to do that. So um, but other than that, I think you hit the, you know, engineering, engineering career dropout check, you know, <laughs> last name check. Like those are, you got the super basics. duper certified check. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> making the insurance companies happy with your SPI and all your certs. It's great. Living the dream. Sweet. Well, today, in addition to having three people on the podcast, we have an unprecedented Two fun facts lined up for you. Say one it's, isn't enough. It's December. <laughs> it's the season of giving. We're doing two fun facts. So <laughs> let's see. Okay. Carly's is more um, straight laced. So I have heard. And Caitlin's <laughs> is a little more out there. So Carly, Unhinged. why don't you start with yours? And then we'll yeah. go off the rails after that. Yeah, I'm just going to be so jealous. Mine is straight. I'm like going to be like jealous about the non-straight laced one. But, <laughs> yeah, but like your, your nerd fact is really fun for nerds so it's fine like I think nutrition facts are really fun and people are like ah, wow that's the most boring thing I've ever heard in you my think life nutrition facts are fun like a label like reading the back of the label <laughs> no hey, no no <laughs> those are not fun those are definitely no those are a bunch of lies anyhow Harley please enlighten us with your brain <laughs> yeah, totally um okay so I've been studying for my CSCS for the last few months and it was like um been really enjoying learning about like the neural adaptations for strength training and like bringing that back into like wow there's so much stuff that goes on that makes us stronger that happens well before there's any structural changes to our muscles from like a training plan and so like the coolest I guess example of that is this idea of cross-education where we can train one side of our body like let's say doing bicep curls and the other side of our body will gain strength gain just because our brain has learned to like the firing rate and the neural recruitment has changed on the contralateral side. So if we do like a bunch of bicep curls, let's say with our left arm, we will see strength increases in our right arm, even though we never lift anything with it, which I thought was okay, like pretty um... <laughs> So uh, counter, <laughs> or I guess a question, how come then my left side is so weak? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> wait, are you only, are you only lifting with your, only with lifting with one side to prove that? No, I guess that's weird. not what's happening. I'm like, I lift with both sides, but the left is still hope in a dream. That's, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> neurological adaptations are part of it, but we need both structural and neurological yeah. adaptations. So, yeah. but it does make me wish that if I just only like overhead pressed on one side, then I'd be done because <laughs> you could just cut your workouts in half by being like, all right, we're only doing one side on each and then it works for the other side. And that'd be cool if that's everyone would save so much time. <laughs> That would be not quite what it, not quite what I'm saying. I think it's yeah. <laughs> obviously it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think it's like interesting to like so cut and dry to be like oh it does it's contributing like it is like this yeah 
Real adaptation is like a true contributing factor and just kind of goes into, I guess, my own personal fascination with the intersection of the quote unquote physical and mental world and our bodies and, you know, how yeah. we use that to climb harder. So, yeah, that's crazy. That's so fun. Fact. I love that fact. Wow. That was a good fun fact. That was that was fun <laughs> yeah, in a non un- fun. that was fun in a <laughs> useful way. Caitlin, would you like to share something fun that's less useful than that? <laughs> yeah, this is probably the least useful thing. But again, if you're looking for party tricks, I got you. So, well, so before we started recording, or maybe this will be a B roll, we talked about some recent food poisoning experiences, which is never fun. But if you're wondering, it was mine. <laughs> Lauren's and the you problem. know what I'm committing right here and now I'm gonna go ahead and edit in my harrowing tale tor- after the outro so if you listen closely you will hear an easter egg of a bad thing that happened to me it was bad we had a bad time anyhow so, Caitlin share your facts anyhow so if you well I will say this if you were a rabbit you would not have this problem because <laughs> rabbits technically cannot throw up. What? Really weird. So there's a couple of reasons, and that is because it has, in comparison to other rodents that have a weak muscular structure in their stomach and diaphragm, rabbits have a thick and strong sphincter going between their throats and esophagus. So they technically can't vomit. But you can imagine this could be issues if if some bunnies get into some stuff they shouldn't eat. Um, So I I looked up more information about this and someone (laughs) named the bunny lady uh, has a lot of information about what to do if your rabbit eats something poisonous. Uh, And also another fun fact, they, they can't burp or pass gas. So whoa. Basically, that's that's, that's what I got. That's cool. I mean, but they also were like, bad. You said they were like thick. I just like immensely imagine like thick with like three C's. Exactly. Like, or a Q. Just, yeah. now, Go now crazy. That. That's why. Okay. I think thick I'm sphincters. starting to see why the Easter bunny is a bunny. Because the Easter Bunny can theoretically eat as much chocolate as the Easter Bunny wants to, and the Easter Bunny won't puke. <laughs> it's the perfect animal for this job. Any other animal would maybe have It'll more problems. It'll die before it pukes, so, you know. Oh, well, that's really and dark, Caitlin. There's actually, I will <laughs> say. all Christmas and holiday characters when we get down to it, so it's okay. <laughs> true, true. Well, there is, like, one, a couple cases of rabbits that have thrown up but the, they say in most cases this occurs just before death and i'm like oh no oh. so that really is the signal of it's a one-way know, valve looming down death. one way oh, <laughs> one way <laughs> i use chemical engineering sometimes <laughs> can't go back there you have it that's yep. the really disturbing uh terrorizing fun fact so I think we had a good balance today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We really hit all ends of the spectrum. Wait. Okay. Speaking of one last thing I'll say. I have never. Okay. I'm gesturing towards like the muscles like below my neck, like in my like collarbone area. Um, I've never had muscle soreness in like a delayed onset muscle soreness kind of way in those muscles pretty much ever in my life. With the puking incident that we were adjacently referring to. 
I had such a bad time that I woke up with like, like it still hurts if I like breathe a little bit because I have so much muscle soreness like in my like is awful. I'm like, I I Googled, I was like, can puking make your chest oh, yeah. sore? And it, the answer is yeah. And I'm like, Jesus. No and one then, way sphincter for you. No. Yeah, no, I definitely. But I guess not I, a bunny. Not, I'm not a rabbit. And there you have it. Okay, well. Um, Should we introduce ourselves? Yeah, speaking of how I'm not a rabbit, hi, I'm Lauren. This is the Average Climber Podcast. I'm a certified Sorry. personal trainer and climbing coach, and I'm not a rabbit. Caitlin is also not a rabbit. Would you like to introduce yes. yourself? <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Uh, I'm a certified nutrition specialist, um, not a bunny lady expert, so, you know, it's just how it goes (laughs) and and we're of course here with our lovely guest carly rager who is also not a rabbit and today as i (laughs) mentioned before (laughs) we are going to be talking about fear and climbing and how these relate to each other and also we're going to talk a little bit about performing under pressure too so lots of things to discuss um i think this is such an important topic because while training is awesome and while getting stronger is amazing, sometimes no matter how strong you are, if you can't wrangle what's going on in your head and how you manage all the feelings, whether they be good, bad, or neutral on the wall, it kind of doesn't matter. So I'm so excited to talk to Carly today about this. She is an expert in getting people's noggins right, if you will, and I cannot wait to chat. So Carly, I wanted to open it up with kind of a discussion of why let's talk about. So first, we're going to talk about fear. So before the break, all fear all the time. Should it on this episode in October? We know it's fine. Maybe we'll do it again next year. But in any case, why we could. (laughs) Yes. So Carly, why is it important to have this discussion about fear and why is it important to move away from the idea that nervousness or fear is just something that's like in your head yeah yeah totally (laughs) um so I think a big part of it is like relative to training knowledge and you know especially in the realm of climbing and climbing hard knowledge about this and language surrounding it and our ability to describe our experience is just like a lot less discussed or it's limited and by like kind of the thing that I've been going talking about a lot is like the phrase that's all in your head or you're two in your head is like really dismissive and almost like like cast it like a character trait like that you're unable yes. to figure out and then there's like mm. all the shame involved it's like really once shame gets into the oh, picture yeah. it's just like hard to deal with much um and so yeah you're stuck <laughs> totally you're stuck and you're everybody and people and it's like it's kind of conflicted it's like reflected back to you especially if people are like well i just took the bigger whip that's how i got over it and then you're like oh cool more shame sup now we're all chilling cool. and you're, you're so like- awesome with your big whips brah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh And so just kind of approaching it differently and um, thinking of it as an adaptation, just like we think of um, our strength training as an adaptation, because it literally is. Um, And if we think about things like I always just like use the example of like taking a whip versus deadlifting, you know what I mean? Like if I can't deadlift two times my body weight, very few people are going to be like. It's all in your head or like painting a character <laughs> trait. People will be like, oh, like it's wow. just because you're just won't. It's because you're because you're yeah. because <laughs> you it's just because you won't do it. That's why you can't deadlift two times your body weight. You just aren't 
Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Nobody would right. say You'd that, never say right? that. And I think They'd be like, oh, you haven't yeah. practiced deadlifting enough, but then. Right. Exactly. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, wow, that's an adaptation that you don't have that you can definitely get that isn't like um, inextricably linked to your character as a person. And I think, I know that sounds really dramatic, but I think that's sometimes where that kind of stuff ends up going. And I see a lot of climbers like Mm. quit in that space um, or climbers get through the fear of falling, but then they really struggle with like performance anxiety if it's on sighting or red pointing or, you know, they're a great ice climber, but they get on their first lead and it just like falls apart. So um, really reframing all of that to see it as an adaptation um, is kind of one thing that I, have found to be so so helpful in working with people in their head game and differs a little bit from other things um so just gonna want to introduce that topic um especially for everybody that's listening and then also give you know maybe you don't struggle with fear but you want to support a climber that is or support a partner that is struggling with nervousness um and that kind of thing so just kind of giving it some different tools and ideas and education on language because language is kind of really how we start to pull all these funny feelings in our body and describe them to each other and work with them so giving some of that communication communication (laughs) so that way I don't have to go to another crag and watch somebody yell at a partner that's like on the brink of tears that they just need to take the whip and get over it and it's all in their head which I have seen so much it's so bad wait okay I have a question for you regarding fear how do you like if you're someone I mean I think some people are like yeah I cry on the wall which I have done many times but you know mm-hmm. you know I think for some people <laughs> it's pretty obvious that fear could be holding them back especially but how would you especially in the con well I guess with both sport climbing and bouldering how what are some of the telltale signs that someone maybe needs to work on their relationship with fear yeah, that's a good one. So we have all of these, like, obviously we have cognitive stress that can be happening. So that's maybe things that you're saying in your head, like, I can't fall here. I don't want to do this again. I really want to send this now. Or like, what, you know, all of these things that we think in our head. So we have that going on, but there's also the somatic side of fear. And that's really what's going on your in your body from a neuroendocrine standpoint. So that is your adrenal medulla secreting adrenaline, epinephrine, all these stress hormones into your body that have a pretty immediate physiological effect, which you can notice in your own body. And I think it's really helpful to start paying attention to that to kind of be cued up and be like, oh, wow, I'm like under a bit of stress here. So um, things that that things that that those hormones cause include increased blood pressure, um, so that can translate into um, having to poop, which is <laughs> my fun telltale sign that I'm a little nervous. It's like, oh, I gotta go, guys. I'll be back in five minutes. Uh, from that increased blood pressure, um, increased heart rate, heart rate. Um, I talk to a lot of people that'll have almost like this nervy feeling, um, like tingly nervy feeling on their skin um increased breathing rate so all of these things are signs that you're a little you know a little bit stressed out not that it's totally unmanageable and there's also absolutely no shame to be a little bit of stress stressed out when you're um trying a really hard thing or trying a hard thing for you whatever that looks like um but starting to get to know those signs in your own body like the physicality of what your fear feels like in your body is like really important because if you can realize it's happening earlier that's kind of like your first line of defense in stopping it from getting into being like a traumatic terrible let's quit climbing kind of situation or a situation that you just aren't equipped to handle mentally so if we can start to notice those things in our own body and get to know it that gives us a lot of like starting tools 
Ooh, okay. So there might be Yeah. So do you ever find that there's people that like think they aren't experiencing symptoms of fear that definitely are that like won't admit it? Or do most people you feel like they know they're scared? I think if I think if anybody's having to put anything away, like don't think about it. That's all that's just in your head. Just get over it. If any of those things are happening inside of your head or coming out of your mouth, there's mm-hmm. a chance that something's getting put away. And I think the biggest thing is like, because to some extent that can be effective, um, but it's not like the most sustainable way of dealing with it instead of like getting to know it and like looking at it and coming up oh. with solutions to working on it. So um, I feel like if you've ever told yourself that, you know, it's like maybe that's a sign that there's some stress there um that's going on another thing that maybe like i'll just kind of mention too is um we we throw around things like stress and fear and distress and um, risk and danger and having a little bit of an understanding of like what do all those words mean in your body and um so on a very Mm. basic level we have arousal um like not so much in the austin power sense but like generally we're not sleeping (laughs) (laughs) yes we are awake (laughs) (laughs) so we have like you know sleeping or like we're really excited and we have these states and that physiologically is like we're having this adrenaline and epinephrine happen um and come through our bloodstream from our adrenal medulla um that in itself is not stressful so um like the example I like to use is like if somebody threw you threw you a surprise birthday party and well, you walked in and like all 12 of your best friends were a surprise, like you'd be very like excited and upticked and like in that more aroused state, but you would have associated a positive feeling with it. Like, mm. ah, everybody loves me. <laughs> like, sweet. <laughs> and, uh, or we can be aroused and be, have it like associated with something poor. Like, oh, I don't want to have the whole crag watch me one hang this thing again. Now it's like nervousness. <laughs> right and so um okay so this like uh distress is our negative interpretation of arousal and our biggest tool is to start to see um some of the other ways that we can frame that and look at that and that's what like sports psych research is showing is like the most effective way to deal with it is not necessarily be pushing it away or calm down it's like how can we look at this arousal as something that's positive because all of these hormones in our bodies are actually prepping us to produce more force and to give us more energy um we're like excited and ready to go and so um we have like arousal and then like what if we i think this especially applies in the red point jitters realm but like what if we saw it as it helping us and we're able to like think about that but um so there's arousal and then there's stress which is seeing it negatively and then there's fear which is like a subset of stress and that's like i feel like there's a physical dangerous risk involved you know like i don't feel safe um so it's kind of like so are you go ahead yeah sorry so are you saying like because i i know when you stimulate certain like let's say okay you're either about to start exercise or you're already in it. And some of the things that happen like neurologically and hormonally too with just that, like, you know, that part of the stress, like natural physiological changes. Are you saying that there's like a heightened response when you're fearful? So it's, 
you know, you still have those things going on. And like you said, they're supposed to be supporting your energy, but then you have it almost like amplified and it becomes this negative thing to counteract. Yeah. And I think for a lot of climbers that don't have a cool. ton of experience to back, like bench back on, um, their body's like, yo, we're doing athletic things at heights. Like, obviously that's a little stressful, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, it's it's the um it's you going from i'm excited and this is perceived as being negative and that can lead us down the the like fear rabbit hole and then Mm. as we get more afraid often it turns into like this this terrible loop where like we're perceiving it negatively which makes it more scary which means we're perceiving it more negatively and then like that we're just like frozen flight or flight like having maybe even like a Uh, an experience that makes us not want to climb anymore or something interesting so So perception is at play here too Mm -hmm. wild so yeah you could be like maybe it's like you could be doing the exact same thing as somebody else but maybe they're like for some reason perceiving it either more positively or more negatively like you could have very different responses which I guess makes sense, but yeah. 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 Okay. Carly, how do you, so when you're working with an athlete that is like, before I get in the, get on the wall, I'm so nervous that I don't even feel like it's fun. Like, how do you get that athlete that feels like this, you know, arousal type energy and they're viewing it as I'm being chased by a lion and we're having a bad time. How do you get them to view it more as, the birthday party side of the <laughs> equation, right? Like, how do you how, how do you, you make that aroused? How do you com- how can you be like I am birthday party excited about this climb instead of being like I want to bomb and I'm having a bad time? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> how do, that's great. How do I make this feel more like a birthday party? Yeah, this this feels like I'm being attacked yeah. by a bunch of bats, and I want to feel like Please I'm at share. a birthday party. Asking for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this kind of stuff, like, is all really interconnected. So I think one of the biggest ways is to start to learn about how these reactions in our bodies are helping us. Because if we don't even, if we don't have any idea about, like, kind of some of the stuff I just mentioned about how, like, when we have this higher level of arousal, the fact that it's allowing us to have more focus, um, and we'll, we'll typically, you know, you've always heard the story of, like, this an extreme example of, like, the mom that, like, lifted a baby off of her, the car off of her baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Did that you know, happen or is this fake? What? We can Google it. But I feel like. After the break, we <laughs> will circle back. But, <laughs> right, like. Our producer that... Josh is Googling. Please hold. <laughs> 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 that, stress, that, like, adrenaline, like, allowed her to do, like, do this supernatural whatever um, thing. And um, and so starting to s- understand that that kind of same hormonal reaction is very similar to when you're feeling like you're being chased by a lion. Um, and just like education, I think that is like the biggest thing is like the more that you learn about this and the more that you get to know fear in your own body, the more you're going to start to work with it instead of be able to like need to like push it down. Um, so education on that. And I think especially in the case of like the nerves for a red point is like starting to understand some of the research behind ideal performance state or flow um, can be really helpful because you can learn about the stages of flow and the first stage is stress. So if you know that that is like a stage of flow you're like tight like when I was in the creek and I was like gonna go lead my first like true crack 511 you know and I had to like go take a poop first because I was like <laughs> so like so nervous um I was like 
wow, I'm to have these signs that I'm nervous, but I know that this is actually can help me if I am able to um, like use it in that way and work with it. So I think the biggest thing is just education on that um, because language is like the key to understanding what's going on in our body. So the more we can learn about it, the better we can more effectively use it and be like, tight like now I can now I can move through this um okay question another question for you Carly if you could also we do have an update from Josh that we will uh get to in just a moment but (laughs) um Carly if you could like I feel like there's certain things in training where I always think if I could wave a magic wand and make all climbers understand this my job would be easier is there anything about fear or head game where you're like if I could wave a magic wand and make everyone magically understand this like what would that be and if it's a couple things feel free to share too dude yeah for sure I think the biggest (laughs) thing is to think about head game stuff as an adaptation that needs constant attention like I think a lot of people sometimes when they're like initially starting to work on it and they recognize they have head game issues they're just looking for like the magic the, the right magic mushroom tea tincture that like allows them to have a breakthrough and this <laughs> but, is like yeah. no longer an issue I just need and... some lion's mane today and I'll yeah. be there. if yeah. I just drink lion's mane and meditate for five minutes I'll I'll just send everything yeah so yeah yep. yeah and that's like the I think that's the fundamental thing is like but if we're looking at it as an adaptation like we do training we're like oh haven't worked on the head game for a few months better get back to that better like make that a practice and um like going to a talk on head game or going to a uh clinic on head game you know it's kind of like going to a spanish class you're like tight i learned 18 words and then i'm never going to practice them so i'll forget them by tuesday <laughs> and it's the same thing it's like if you see that as an adaptation instead of looking for some breakthrough that allows you to do you know then you're you're able to find like these incremental steps you work on it consistently and you're expecting to have to work on it consistently which is a real thing you know like i was alluding to uh that climb in the creek that i did and um like I don't really, I don't really struggle as much with uh, red point jitters sport climbing, but I definitely still struggle with it trad climbing, especially in the creek because I broke my leg out there. So, like, <laughs> just I, that, just, just that, and uh, so I thing. have like just like a little. It's one of the most horrifying to... things I've ever heard about. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Dude, it was rowdy. But yeah, so I'm looking at my head game in this space of trad and crack climbing as an adaptation, and that keeps it's me a... in it. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it in terms of this like adaptation to build over time because I know you've talked about shame and I feel like being afraid and experiencing fear is something that I've been shamed for in the past, but also I feel like it's been a shame thing where I'm like, oh, I'm working on it. I'm trying to work on fear and pushing through. And I feel like even that has some negative stigma to it as well. I mean, I don't, I don't know why, but I I feel like that's been my experience where I'm almost like, yeah, I'm afraid. And I don't mind saying that, but it's also really weird to be like, I'm trying to figure out techniques to work through that. Is that something that you feel like is, I don't know, common? Like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think people like, and I, this is just human nature, would rather find a quick fix for something. Somebody could just tell mm-hmm. them something that like took it away and made it all like totally better. But um, 
Yeah, and I think in general, like the whole realm of mental training can uh, initially come across as being like too woo woo for some people. And um, I guess, I don't know, like, especially people I know, you know, like, I'm an, I have, I'm an engineer by trade. And so like, a lot of people that I climb with and know as friends are like very like by the books they want the like where's the evidence where's the you know and and sometimes their lack of education about it creates this woo-woo stigma I think and uh and um yeah and it's a bummer because there's a lot of there's a lot of research and physical and tangible results from working on this kind of thing. But um, I do think there is a bit of a stigma. One thing I, one thing that I try to do that I've been doing more and more is getting metrics into my mental training plans. So people are actually seeing numbers move that can make it feel a little more like concrete. Um, So mental, like mental metrics. How do you do Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. If you want to share your trade secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'll just like a couple of them, like maybe I'll have them do a um I guess maybe I'll talk maybe about a couple one of them I've talked about before I think with Lauren is like if you were going to work on focus development is like noticing when your mind wanders to something something else on a route and the first time I usually have people do it they're like they feel like it's super weird because they're thinking about thinking while climbing um but they get better at it and I have them write down how far they up the route they get before they break focus and so a lot of times they'll be like two bolts up the first time they'll be like this is weird i don't like this and i only got two bolts up i was thinking about lunch and then also like how much i didn't <laughs> like that one hold and uh and then we're like tight that's like a, a first that's a starting point that's like a training metric you know like lauren and i like what we do yeah. for other things and so by then continuing to have them do that exercise they'll be like oh wow this week i got to bolt eight without my mind wandering they can actually see that change because they're measuring it themselves. And that can take a lot that can like make it feel a lot more tangible and take some of the stigma out of it of like, you know, kind of what you're talking about where you're like, this is something I struggle with. They're like, people are secretive about it or they're dismissive of it or any of that. So adding some of those metrics can help it make it feel like training. And, you know, that's an important piece. Yeah. I think like it's it's funny because similar to training where, you know, some people come into climbing with this sports, maybe they have a sports background that was like, you know, if you come into climbing as a swimmer versus someone that's never participated in a sport, like your starting point in the sport is probably going to be different. And I think similarly with climbing, people come in with different like base levels of fear management skills, but somehow with like different sports levels, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense that you don't have as much upper body strength. You haven't participated in a like overhead motion type sport but then yeah I think it's funny because people have a lot more of a fixed mindset about getting improving their mental game kind of like we've talked about like they're just like oh I'm just a I'm just like a fearful person and it can never get better but it's yeah I think we yeah beating a dead horse but thinking about it (laughs) yeah thinking about it like it's a skill that you build in this way is really cool and then another one Carly that I think you you originally shared this with me that I totally use with my athletes is like teaching people to have their fear on like a scale of zero or like discomfort on a scale of zero to 10. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I was just messaging with an athlete today and they were just reflecting on, they all use it now. Cause I'm just like, this is such a great, easy tool, like scale of one to 10 is like so freaking easy, but like, you know, athletes messaging me this morning, like, Oh, like 
three months ago where I would have been at was like an eight out of 10 about the situation I was just in. And today I was at like a two and they have like this metric of getting more comfortable with where they're at. Carly, I don't know if you want to go ahead and explain like how, how we do that too, but it's like (laughs) sweet. You can, you can add metric. (laughs) Look at us engineers being like, I guess we'll add metrics to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Why does math always have to be involved guys? (laughs) Like there's always numbers. I mean, we could do it with colors. You yeah. probably could do you it with could colors, do it with colors. But... you could do it with the rainbow. But I think no, it, <laughs> yeah, that's the other nurse. thing that's so helpful is getting off this thing where you're just going to get over your fear of falling. Like you're going to go from ten to zero, and the reality being like, you yeah, you'll be just never be afraid of anything ever again. Like, yeah, you'll never, you'll just be in a coma all the time. You're never your adrenal medulla just never does anything anytime. Like, that's not funny either. But uh, getting that scale, yeah, like understanding like it's not black and white and like maybe you're feeling like sevens and eights and so then like maybe in a month you're feeling fours and fives and so like you're still feeling some stress but you're self assessing this, giving these metrics and that can be so helpful when you look back and you're like, oh wow, like I feel a lot different than I did in that when I was writing this down a couple months ago. I should keep going you know it's like this um you know and the realization too that maybe we won't ever get down to zero maybe we'll get down to like ones and twos and maybe we'll have some days where it's zero and like it's not you know maybe for climbing performance too maybe our ideal state is more like a four out of five on the arousal scale and that can be a good thing and so just starting to talk about it and think about it like that is really powerful and has a lot of implications yeah um, I think Caitlin and I both both have this question, but we wanted to ask, like, how do you feel that your approach to coaching athletes on working on fear is different from industry standards? Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, there's been obviously books written about head game and I've read all of them and some of them are some of them are sweet. And I think sometimes the content is like absolutely awesome. Um, I guess I think particularly I really love the chapter in the Rock Warriors way where they talk about non-acceptance behavior, recognizing it in yourself and others. And um, But in my approach, I am much different. So like I'm not a super tough love approach, um, which is funny because I – so that little background, like I came up through gymnastics where I was like – nine and somebody was like shoving me into the overextended splits and like you know i was like (laughs) told the you know climb up this three-story rope without any sort of protection and then like come down and like you know had a lot of that tough love early on in my life um but i think the reason i ended up quitting gymnastics is like if i couldn't overcome these mental barriers i would i felt shame it was very shame inducing and so um Mm the big thing that I'm trying to, I think, stress in, I think has been different up until recently. And I think there's some other coaches like me that are changing our tone about this. And it's really powerful is like your ability and your reaction and your, um, what's happening and what fear you're experiencing or getting over or not getting over is really not a character trait. And I think a lot of times in some of these books, it's like a very like shit or get off the pot. If it's hot, if it's too hot, get out of the kitchen. Like you're a warrior prepping for battle, like fucking buck up buttercup. (laughs) It's like that rhetoric. And for a lot of people that don't have a nervous system that has been like acclimated to that kind of stimulus then they just feel shitty about themselves. They don't see it as like an application. We're not telling people to just buck, buck up buttercup to lift two times their like, your two times body weight like, deadlift. Like let's like, 
like it and so we like pile shame onto this even if it's not intentional because we don't have a fully under great understanding of another way to explain it and um and so really i think my approach is a lot different because it's a, a lot about educating what's going on in your body and the science behind it which pulls all the shame out of it and i think that's like a big important part that's huge. So, so you're saying that the classic recommendation to just take some big whips and kind of get used to it is not necessarily what everyone could or should be doing. Yeah, I think it just depends on the person. I think it's just like anything, you know, like it depends on where they're at. Like if they're feeling – I think there are some people where maybe they're feeling – like there's some benefit to doing some practice falls because they're like feeling – not super freaked out but um to a person that is like really having like extreme fear going on that is going to push them over the stress boundary into the trauma boundary which is basically means it's the difference of when you remove the stressor your body's like nervous system doesn't return to its quote-unquote normal state that's trauma and so Mm -hmm. um yeah like not not helping it's not helping when we're doing it so it just depends on the athlete it's the same way lauren like when you write a training plan and you talk to an athlete that's climbed for 10 months and doesn't have a lifting history compared to an athlete that has climbed for two years and has like a really robust lifting history like you're going to assign different things to them too so i think if you're help trying to help somebody on their head game you ought to be assigning them different things hopefully based on your understanding of their reactions and, you know, some of the stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. And like what they find comfortable. Totally. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And I think it's just such a good point that the more, what is it? The the, the shame, shame is like mushrooms. If you leave it in the dark, it they just get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you watch Big Mouth? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know where I heard oh that. It's the shame wizard. It's just like this creepy British guy who sort of looks weirdly like Liam Neeson with like a robe on. So what does he make you feel ashamed or does he show up when there is shame? Both. It's like he increases it like, like, wow, wasn't that so awful? How embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. (laughs) Oh my god! So he's like the grim, grim reaper, but just for like when you feel cringe, grim shamer, grim shamer. Oh my god! That yeah. Well, so kind of like a I don't know something else that this is making making me think about. I know you mentioned like the dialogue, Carly, and it's weird because I just had this conversation with my therapist maybe like a month ago because she was talking about like how we communicate and how how we like talk to ourselves and if you didn't necessarily learn some dialogue as a kid like my example was I was always really afraid of like things that weren't real or like things that I perceived were like really freaky and really scary like a scary movie right and for Mm -hmm. me I never really had a parent or you know figure in my life who was like this isn't real. You're okay. You're safe. So now as an adult, I'm finding that this theme just continues into this realm of climbing where I'm on the wall and I'm, I struggle to talk myself down. So do you really feel like it that awareness will help 
kind of like build that dialogue or is that something that, you know, you kind of have some go-to things to talk about? I feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> In case you know anybody. Um, <laughs> Just, you know, thinking about someone random. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have this, this is like a cool way to think about this that I think would be like good to introduce you. So you're like saying that maybe you don't have like a coach in your head that's like talking you down and it's like we all have like some different stuff going on in our head you know like um maybe like four different coaches that exist in our head um one's being like come on you got this like encouraging one's being like you suck remember that training plan you skipped like man you're never gonna give that coach way too much time (laughs) yeah and uh and you have maybe me and i'm a coach and i'm saying like telling you these things and so um but what can happen is like if you if you don't have a coach that helps with that like developing it and like the recognition that sometimes this like coach even though they mean well that's in your head is no longer helpful um mm. and what they're saying is like it doesn't mean you have to ignore it again like i'm not about ignoring anything but you're like oh like like that coach like if i that's phil that's yeah <laughs> yeah in my case i think it's like my gymnastics coach dimitri real eastern block kind of situation and of you know course. he's not very nice and um yeah mine is a my ballet instructor who is russian um from yeah her name was marina uh-huh. she's she's there most of the time uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah <laughs> yeah but in your case you don't have a coach for this situation you know what i mean and so like that's yeah. And so if you're thinking about it like, oh, I have these three and sometimes they help and sometimes they're the worst. And then you're like, well, I need a fourth because I need somebody that I need that in my head, too. So just one way to think about it in terms of like, yeah, uh, talking. But yeah, there's a lot of different and, you know, without like asking you a million questions about your specific fears. And yeah, we can get into things. this later, like one on one. But, uh, you know, recognizing that you need to make room for another coach in there. And uh, maybe they have something else. To say. Yeah, I love that. I, I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. And that, yeah, it already feels helpful. It's like this almost like permission to make space for another way of thinking about mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay. Ooh, I love that. Speaking of, oh, well, speaking of shame and how we sort of relate it to other people, I think part of something that I've shared with a lot of my athletes that say like they're embarrassed to like acknowledge that they're afraid or they don't like talking about, you know, they don't like talking about it. Like they don't want to, they just want to pretend everything's fine. One thing that they've noticed is that if they actually share with their climbing partners that they are, you know, working through becoming a braver climber it helps them a lot and they also find that people are not nearly as judgmental as they thought they would be in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool I've had a lot of athletes be like I told my climbing partners I get scared sometimes and they were like that's totally fine and then they felt a lot more relaxed about just being open and vulnerable about it but Carly what is something that we can do if we're climbing with a friend or climbing partner like what are some best practices we can have to support someone that is working through you know a fear of falling Mm-hmm. yeah totally i think the number one thing is don't invalidate it um, don't really weird that, that doesn't don't help her. you can be like hey you're just making this up actually so yeah. it's don't, all good let me just yeah. gaslight yeah. you light you on fire and tell you yeah. you're full of it so yeah don't or, do that yeah. 
pretty. Yeah, that's so don't, weird, don't but compare, that doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> don't compare it to how you would react. I think that's actually a mm. more direct way of saying it. Don't oh, say man. things like, well, I wouldn't, I know that that piece of gear is good. So I, it's, it's not about how you would react. It's about what their nervous system is doing. So um, mm. validate that. Um, I think is very, very important because if they're expressing it to you, it probably took them some courage to even tell you what's going on. Um, so Absolutely. Supportive there. Um, the other thing that I think about in terms of if somebody's like, I'm scared, I don't know why I'm scared and I, whatever, or like I'm so in my head and I can't climb this thing that I'm physically capable of doing and whatever, is to ask what questions instead of why questions. Um, so like why totally. questions kind of carry this negative connotation? Like, why can't you just do this? Why are you afraid when you know that piece is good? Why you, why aren't you able to send this even though you know you're physically capable? It's almost as an accusatory tone and it's not very mm -hmm. curious. Whereas asking what questions, like, what are you afraid of? What is, at what point on the route does this start to become a thing? What are you doing inside your head and what can we do together to maybe find an intermediate step? So like those what questions lead to so much curiosity naturally. And so that's a great way to support your climber is to start having these conversations um, in that lens. That's lovely. That's great. And also I feel like don't, I don't know if you like don't want to be supportive of your climbing partners in this way, like maybe get different climbing partners. Yeah, I don't know on you yeah uh, like is it yeah I don't know that's yeah also not to I don't want to whatever okay another thing just like romantic partner rant too because I feel like I see this a lot among romantic partners that have like different fear tolerance levels and like this can be in any sort of romantic relationship regardless of gender I think you know just recognizing that you're in different places is really important and being ready that if you do want to like engage in rock climbing with a romantic partner i think being ready to do all of what carly just said is super important so that you aren't fighting <laughs> really about... good way to remain partners in climb yeah just, you know. don't yeah <laughs> For, yeah fighting that like one romantic partner isn't actually scared or should it be scared like probably isn't gonna help anything so yeah i've seen fights over this intensely blander boulder canyon red rocks mexico like, everywhere everywhere and, yep. and like strange the whole time i'm just like pulling my hair out because i'm just like well people this is yeah. cringy this is, yeah you're like la, la 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 here's my yeah. business card come talk yeah to me. here's my yeah, <laughs> this is not y'all are not this is not good yeah <laughs> i think at the end of the day validating people's very real feelings is the root of making this a way better situation to your point Carly so I appreciate mm -hmm. you sharing sharing those yeah. tips well before we go to a break I do want to circle back to a discussion we had earlier um where our diligent producer Josh looked this up for us because earlier I asked did that <laughs> thing with the lady in the car really happen blah 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 um so to illustrate the power of the nervous jitters turning into send juice which is like in my head I'm like or being nervous is like oh yes it. yeet juice yes <laughs> rocket rocket fuel okay so a bonus fun fact chock full of fun facts on this episode so in 1982 <laughs> Angela Cavallo lifted a 1964 Chevy Impala off her teenage son, Tony, who was working on the car's <laughs> suspension when the jacks failed and the car fell on him. So, but I assume... That was a real thing. I assume Tony lived. Um, 
I feel like we wouldn't be talking about it, but that's bonkers. Good work, Angela. That's a really rowdy thing that you did there. Um, so yeah, you can do the moral of the story is you can do rad stuff when you to use one of Carly's program names. Believe. Harness your headspace. <laughs> <laughs> um, sweet. Well, yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay, well, we'll take it to a break there, and then when we come back, we are going to talk about performing under pressure like if your teenage son is stuck under a car catch you after the break <laughs> what do <laughs> it's 11 14 p.m your innocent google search for climbing training started two hours ago and what started as a quick search to learn how to get better has turned into an odyssey of epic proportions because the first article you read seemed great, but it didn't agree with the next one, or the next one. You're growing wary and confused. Every coach has a different name for everything. The terms are a labyrinth designed for despair. Power endurance, strength endurance, drag grip, crimp grip. I mean, what is all this shit? And should you start using a hangboard? Because no one seems to agree on that either. And somehow it seems your innocent desire to improve your training will require blood and sweat and doing something torturous every night of the week. And why are there so many ab workouts to do when you just wanted to go rock climbing anyway? It's madness, pure madness. And here you are spending time making 1,000 little confusing decisions instead of getting anything done. But perhaps there is another way. If you're ready to stop the madness and get a training plan that actually works for you and your schedule, then check out Crush It. There's one for boulderers and one for sport climbers, and these self-guided training plans allow you to tailor your training to your schedule and goals. No madness required. Head on over to the show notes to learn more about the Crush It programs and start training today. And we're back from our quick little break here, and we're going to dive into performing under pressure. So, Carly, I'm kind of been wondering about this too for a while, but, you know, as climbers, a challenge that we face in terms of managing both our stress and anxiety, this can relate to performance pressure and things like red point jitters or, you know, like the, the send tinglies or whatever's going on. So for the athlete that does get really nervous, maybe this is before pulling on the wall or while they are mid route, how do you think they can learn better to manage this so that it's to their advantage again asking for a friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh does do, i would have question be has your friend ever read or learned anything about flow state or ideal performance state uh my friend may have heard about blocking out on the wall <laughs> okay, sure, sure. <laughs> Has the flow state. Did your friend but... go to college in Arizona and go to a lot of pool parties? <laughs> um, she your may have. ASU, they may have. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yep. Maybe. You know, I don't know. It's just a guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, 
<laughs> sorry. Uh, talking about performance oh my and pressure. God. So using that, you know, for the first part of this, we talked about stress and like reframing it as it being helpful to you and like dealing with it and learning how to deal with it, which is like an important piece of it and takes a lot of work. And this is kind of like what I work with people in on head point training, you know, like basically all of this stress management. And that's like, it's funny then a lot of times people get out of head point training and be like, cool, that was stage one of flow. There's four stages. And they're like, what? And I'm like, oh yeah. So when we're not even there yet. No. (laughs) So like when we start to reframe, so stage one of flow being stress or struggle, and that is like the hormonal response of that being adrenaline, um, nephrine, um, and different stress hormones in our body that we can feel. And so if we're looking at that as a way that it's going to help us, you know, then it's like, even if we get there, it's like, okay, now what? Like we're decided that we're having a positive attitude or a positive spin or seeing how this stuff can really help us out is like, what's the next step? How do we get to that flow state? Um, and kind of talking about that. So, um, a lot of times I think people have, experience flow they'll talk about it like they're blacking out on the climb or um different things like that or like sometimes I'll ask people after they onsighted something they're like I don't know I just blacked out up there and I think a lot of that is due to a lack of knowledge and again language about like what's going on um so Mm. before we get into the four stages of flow let's talk about what the frick that even means and what (laughs) um like before we're like totally off into into the weeds but so flow is generally um it's also called like ideal or optimum performance state you know it's like when it's like um you have a really narrow range of focus you're totally there like the whole world drops away you know maybe you're able to make a mistake and correct it on the fly um increase performance time dilation is a part of it so like if you ever had a really Hmm cool send and you couldn't tell if you're anybody if you're up there five minutes or 30 minutes like we lose our sense of time um sometimes people even report like a feeling of oneness with like you know their environment or whatever it is and the having this experience is often associated with a lot better performance um like maybe we finally you know send that route that we that we knew that we could or we on-site something that we didn't think that we could because we were like so in that state and so um then when we lower and somebody's like, how to go? And you're like, I don't know. I blacked out. Sometimes it's because we felt like time didn't exist or like um, we weren't processing things like we normally were. We weren't processing things in like a, in a sequential order. We weren't making decisions. It was almost like our body was doing it for us. And we struggle to describe what that is. So sometimes we can bench back on the platitude of blacking out, quote unquote. Um, so an understanding of this can be helpful in getting into red point jitters and there's kind of like these four stages of it um and the first stage being stress which we spent the first part of the program talking about um and the next stage that has been shown to be helpful is finding a release so that's like um you're really stressed you're gonna try to onsite this climb like finding something that produces endorphins um the level of gargariousness of this Thing could be all over the place. Lauren, I think you remember that I had a banana suit that I danced in. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That might Brought be all the more, way to Mexico. More gregarious form. But, you know, it was like you have all that tension. It's almost like you can feel it. It's like palpable. And it's like I'm over to the side just dancing in a banana suit. And it's just like, like, it's like, oh, yeah, everything's silly. <laughs> like we forget that everything is silly and you can laugh and have that. <laughs> really what you're looking for hormonally is or endorphins um, to like release that tension. But it doesn't have to be so gargarious like a banana suit. It could be like laughing and joking with friends, talking about beta, sharing something like that. 
Uh, eating so, gummy bears. Gummy bears. Like, whatever your Caitlin thing is. finding a way to make this about carbs. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't at me. Just do it. Yeah. Eat sour gummy bears though for the win. Yeah. Big facts. So finding finding the stage two is um really helpful is like releasing the pressure on the outcome releasing some endorphins in your body um it doesn't feel like it was so heavy anymore for whatever whatever reason that you've come up with or that works for you um and stage three is kind of like this slow experience um and there's a lot that goes into that um two that and that's just kind of like a whole other topic and so i work with people on this in um either continuation of head point training or in flow point training so this is like all about dealing with um, and understanding how your brain works when it's operating at different levels of arousal so stage three is like that flow um and then stage four is recovery which i think is like one of the coolest things is that like i don't know if you guys have ever noticed after you send something you almost have that afterglow you have this like your brain is dumping serotonin into you. You just had like, a sun baby. You're yeah, glowing. <laughs> you're glowing. <laughs> you're uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, you bond. And I think this is a lot of the reason why we're so close to our climbing partners is because serotonin is associated with accelerated social bonding. Um, and typically, if you get through a pitch that you thought was a little bit heinous, but you pulled something off and made it happen, your partner gets up there. Like there's this bonding that happens, you know, and all of these things that matter. So. Um, when we're looking at performance under pressure and we're looking at that climb and you tying in for the thing that you've one hung six times, even though you're not pumped because you get two in your head, um, first of all, reframing your nervousness as, um, as helpful as like, oh, I'm a rat. So literally change the language, say, oh, I am keyed up or I am aroused. Like instead of I'm stressed, I'm nervous, describe your, your heightened state of excitement in more neutral terms or even in positive terms. Like hmm. I'm, I'm aroused. I'm excited. I'm focused. I'm like these more positive terms. Cause that can help you, you know, help you see it more positively. Cause it is going to help you produce more force, which is great. Um, so that's the first thing. And then try to find some release, try to find a friend that would wear a banana suit and dance. <laughs> under the crag. To, Everybody like, needs a Carly. Yeah. Try to find something that like, just kind of lets it all go. Um, and, and then, you know, kind of after that, you can start, after you have those things, you can start working on like entering in these like higher, like more focused states, which is cool and a practice in of itself. But it's really, I think this is what like the difference with people like, I meditate all the time, but I'm still struggling with these anxiety things is like meditation helps for stage three. But if you haven't figured out how to manage stage one and two, it's really hard to get to that mm. flow, that stage mm. three. That's such so, a good point. Like your meditation is great and I'm a big proponent of it. I think that's an amazing thing for you to do for your life outside of climbing too. Um, but I think sometimes people are like, all right, I want to get handle my red point jitters. I'm just going to meditate. And it's like a piece of the puzzle, but it's like missing this whole other this other stuff and so um this is i find this stuff totally fascinating the guy that initially um researched it was named mihai mccheck mihai he's like the hardest name to pronounce but Ooh. he started looking at it's flow. mihai mihai <laughs> mihai chicksep mihai yeah he's like researching it not for climbing but for like chess or violin or um like people that get into these fancy sports states. Yeah, fancy, fancy stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, so it's been cool to read about his research and start to like be like, okay, that's a cool concept. How does that apply to climbing? Um, 
And so, uh, yeah, digging in more of that is is something that can only benefit your climbing. And it's like, I always feel so funny saying this, but it's like the first step is to admit you have a problem. <laughs> and I see this play out so much, especially in like a projecting sense where people like work this route to death and they can totally physically, they're there. And they're like, they really either struggle to have the language to describe what's going on, in which case like listening to this podcast is great because we're talking about the language. They struggle to describe it so they struggle to work on it. Whereas if you get pumped, you're like, I want to go train and create an adaptation around that uh, because I know how to describe that feeling. But we don't, if we're lacking the language to describe what's going on, it makes it hard for us to seek improvement. And so, um, yeah, just kind of looking at that and uh, really acknowledging that your head game for performance is a real thing. And even if you're not afraid of falling, if you're fine with 30 foot whips, you still might have head game for performance things that you might want to look into that could really benefit your climbing. And that's pretty much everybody. Like there's, there's nobody that yeah. can benefit from doing something with their head. So yeah. Managing, managing, uh, what does your friend think at ASU Caitlin about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, they, are probably gonna love what you're saying <laughs> when she uh, applies it to her next climbing day. Um, <laughs> oh, your friend has it, she they pronouns. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It. <laughs> I I definitely feel like it, it's interesting to like think about the times that it, it's me hi um i <laughs> when you don't have expectations on a route like you go without that pressure and you show up and it goes really really well even if it feels like it's something that's out of your league you're like oh i could do this great and then the next time you come back it is like back three steps where you're like oh no now i'm self-aware but it not not in a good way. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I feel like yeah. it's interesting to talk about those first two flow states because I don't think that's something that's ever really discussed. It's always like, you should meditate on the wall and just be super chill. It's like, yeah, I'm trying, but, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on up here. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's like maybe your first time is showing you what you're physically capable of without the stress of the pressure but then when you go back again now it's like okay you can do it so are you gonna do it like yeah totally you know, dealing with that and now you're dealing with um there's just some more things going on um for you to manage and it's it's all just about like you know it's like a not it's just like training like you never get to a point where you're like okay i'm done with head game <laughs> like <I did> that. <laughs> yeah yeah like, you just start <laughs> to apply it to different realms like i feel pretty good about my head game in terms of performance on sport climbs like working on this stuff has allowed me to send um harder sport climbs and a lot less goes um but i still deal a lot more with like stage one or stress when i am out trad climbing mm -hmm. you know like i it's just a different and so i'm, I'm still working on it there and like, I, I don't see it as something I'm just going to, like, eventually not work on. I think that's so key is, like, you're always going to work on it if you're going to, you know, it's like yeah. a great tool to keep working on. Yeah. Well, plus, like, for a lot of us, too, I feel like we're not – right, we're, we're talking about the average here. So I'm sure some people are, like, you know, going for different goals in climbing. But I think for a lot of people who can't necessarily climb every day, if, like, your day-to-day -day life – 
has a lot of stressors and pressure. Like I feel like that for me has definitely translated to the wall where I may not even be afraid on say like a warm up route that I've done a bazillion times. But if I had a really stressful week, mm-hmm. I will undoubtedly bring that into climbing. But I think having that awareness, even from, you know, bringing it into my weekend, for example, and just understanding where I'm at, I think is a good way to just kind of connect to mm-hmm. what is potentially possible or how to like break through that in the moment. It's yeah. interesting. Love yeah. That. So then like question for you based on our discussion about like arousal being on a scale and optimal arousal states, like we don't want to be sleeping while we're climbing, right? Um, but knowing <laughs> that maybe we obviously have and so something to think about is like, let's say, like, what would you say if you, you know, had a really stressful week and you came out to go climbing and you're like feeling more stressed on something that maybe you wouldn't have normally, um, how would you reframe that into like managing your, like maybe your discomfort or arousal level on a scale of zero to 10? Um, and how do you think that would relate to your climbing? Great question. Uh, (laughs) I feel like it would be helpful to almost disconnect from like maybe verbally disconnect from the stressors that are going on and just kind of show up differently to climb and sort of position it in that way where it's like, I'm here for me. I want to just be in the moment, have fun today, see what's possible, maybe kind of assess what feels reasonable that day. Like is today project day? I don't know because you're really stressed and just sort of reel that back in. I feel like is something I do not do. Um, I also just don't go through my normal stages of breathing and focusing in those instances. So I think Mm -hmm. taking those initial steps back would be probably helpful. Do you think that that would be yeah. useful? Yeah. <laughs> would I'd you add like, anything? <laughs> I'd add, yeah. And I'd like maybe one thing. So, but yeah, like you're totally right. Like despite what climbing media tells us, we do not have to project out our limit every time that we go climbing. So that could be an awesome day to like do some other stuff and like, you know, do this other <laughs> fun route that maybe isn't a limit route that like you've always been curious about. But um, yeah, I think that, that that's super helpful um, in trying to step away. I think sometimes people run into that latent stress lingers and carries over. And so um, mm. in that, in kind of addressing that is not falling into the um, sort of habit of always thinking you need to calm down. But let's yeah. say your week, let's say for you to perform your ultimate like best arousal state is like four out of 10, let's say. And mm-hmm. so that means some days you're going to show up to the crag and you're like six out of 10 because your work's stressed and like you have to call your mom back and like somebody's got to book those flights for <laughs> like Christmas and like why are we going climbing yeah. and like you're coming out to the crag at an eight. You're just like already like, yo, <laughs> like there's things. I, I have stuff. And uh, in that I case being stuff. like, oh, like maybe I am in a position where I, it's going to be helpful for me to turn that arousal dial down and maybe I want to like develop mm-hmm. strategies to turn that down. Um, to whatever my ultimate op- optimum would be or on different days maybe you want to turn it up a little bit because you're like I feel like very sleepy and apathetic and like maybe I should be a little bit more like you know a little more yeet juice <laughs> and uh, one more no, whenever we say we were like so we kept saying yeet juice when we were in bishop and everyone kept being like 
meat juice meat. you're drinking meat juice and we're, and i'm like first of all that would be broth which isn't gross a of all, b of all. A of all. it's yeet yep. juice we're adults it's the color of bile Fun yeah fact. but also that was that was what yeah mike kept just like calling his pre-workout yeet juice and um yeah. the non-use were I'm gonna start hashtagging yeet juice every opportunity that I get. It's gonna be our yeah. our supplement. Gen brand Z will be- gave us some nice winks. They were like, "Yeah, yeah, we juice. get it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> we know what you mean because we're young and hip." <laughs> and all the millennials are like, what "Fuck, are these nerds talking about what? meat juice? Ew, <laughs> you're drinking meat." Anyways, we're I- not like other climbers. We're coo climbers. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Quotes. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> Great. Sorry, Sorry I got, got sidetracked with the eating. Yes. Uh, oh, here's a fun fact. I had to Google what eat meant one time, like three years ago. Just, <laughs> I was coaching. I was coaching at a gym, and these kids started like there's like all this stuff, and I'm just like it was like the turning point where I knew I was older is that the kids are starting to eat, and I was like I don't know what that means. I'm gonna Google that later. <laughs> like totally. Oh like had to look. And I was like, wow, that's what it means when you're – that's how you know you're a little older. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> if you're uh, listening to this podcast and you're going – and you're looking up yeet, you're old. That's, that's yeah. the metric. And I can't even <laughs> – it's hard to describe it without Urban Dictionary providing you context. So just keep Googling it. Um, yeah, I like, don't... wow, Karen yeeted that – I don't know. Yesterday, Karen's and don't like, all eat, right. To clarify, that's not something Karens do. They don't. Karen did not eat it. Do that. That's yeah. yeah. Karen has bean uh. juice. We have yeet juice. Wait, while we're talking <laughs> about slang, I I want to throw. I forgot that this wasn't common vernacular because I have a friend that started calling taking like big whips. Like he called it. He started calling it taking. <laughs> fat doinks like like if you take a big fall it's a fat doink and i think it's so funny and i love and then i just have started saying it because it's hysterical but i really want everyone to start saying fat doinks because it's like i feel like it makes sense but it's like the like boink like if you fall so far that you like kind of like boink back up or whatever like it's a fat doink so i like that a lot and i think the climate world should adopt it because it's hysterical <laughs> oh i was gonna make a really bad joke uh, refrain yeah it's good all right carly yeah. let's let's wrap this up so where if people want to work with you so honestly if you have head game problems like can't can't recommend carly enough she is a badass at this and she will help you and she will not tell you that you're you just need to suck it up buttercup obviously so Carly, where can people find you? How can people work with you? Tell us everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people can find me. So I'm website www.projectdirectcoaching.com. Um, Instagram is projectdirect underscore coaching. Um, those are usually the two most common ways that people can find me. So you can, the website's great. That's where you can like really learn about um, the programs that we offer and also listen to video of people that have gone through these programs before and what they've, you know, what it's been like for them. Um, so those are two good ways to reach me, Lauren. If you just want to like link it in the show notes, that'd be totally Yeah. Oh yeah. We got you. All these we got you. In the show, show notes. <laughs> Look Thanks. down in the show notes and click on the links. Yep. Yes. And you'll uh, find Carly. It leads you right there. That's how it works. So. Yep. That's how <laughs> the internet works. There you go. <laughs> 
perfect uh lovely (laughs) um I guess then the other so like a little bit about working with me so I have on our website we have two classes one is called harness your headspace it's kind of addressing a lot more of the fear um, of falling and fear and stress management um part and that class is real cheap it's 47 dollars. i always recommend starting there because you do a lot of tasks and you just get to know me a little bit more and how we go about things i have a similar class about performance under pressure that's called foundations of flow so those are um, recorded classes that are available on my website at all times um and then basically i have basically for each of those classes a subsequent three-month program um where we work together one-on-one you get assigned tasks for what you should do when you are out climbing um based on your you know where you're at and what you're working on in terms of your your mental training and what you would like to change so um those are ways to work with me um like in, in through coaching and through project direct other ways that you can work with me is by signing up for one of the clinics that i will do at climbing festivals i think I'll, i have about four on deck this year um and so you can work with me there um and that may or may not i also work with like movement and doing other things but if you want to climb outside with me i'd be fucking psyched to have you in one of my clinics um and then the other thing that is kind of in the works right now is i'm going to be giving a talk on some of these um some of these things in the Rab Denver store in mid March. So uh, stay tuned for that. It'll be a free event with like a raffle and all the good stuff. And so if you're like in the front range, so Colorado Springs, Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, or you'll be around there around the front range in mid March. um, I've just been trying to do more in-person events and um, so yeah, psyched for that. And it's like a, really cute cozy store so we can just kind of like have a discussion and kind of start to break down the barriers and add more language to your um you know ability to lexiconically flex about these sorts of things and hopefully that will translate to your climbing or to your partner's climbing that you're trying to support tight well that's sweet i'm so excited i'm so glad that you're getting to do all these in-person clinics too i know that you love that and shine so bright in person so that is the best <laughs> um, sweet. she really is she's the shining star <laughs> and also yeah Car- carl and also i don't carly does this happen to you i feel like whenever people meet like me and caitlin i feel like this happens to you too they always go I really thought you were going to be taller. Does that happen to you when you meet people in person? <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Yeah. There's been like a mini athlete that I've like worked with and then get to meet in person if I'm like traveling around and they're always just like, they're like, huh, you're kind of a mite. And I'm like, yes, indeed. Yep. Hi, all, my fri- all my friends are nuggets. That's what I say. Yep. Nuggets. Yep. But I just always yep. like to occasionally warn people that I'm not that tall and I don't want to talk about how short I am. <laughs> So, yeah. Don't bring don't it up. Bring it up. <laughs> don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. I fucking know. I can tell by the way of how many intermediates I have to use all the fucking time. So <laughs> sweet. <laughs> well, we'll wrap it up there, Carly. Cool. Thanks so much for for coming on and chatting with us yeah. and enlightening Thanks us. Thanks for helping our friends. Yeah, our <laughs> friends are gonna be so helped by this episode. <laughs> Elon's friend from Arizona is just gonna have a great time. So yeah, I'm... she's gonna go yeet it real good. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, everyone listening, get out there, take some fat doinks, have fun, <laughs> and until next time, keep it keep it average. Average. <laughs> That's pretty good. Wow. 
Lauren here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Average Climber podcast. To learn more about Carly and the other coaches at Project Direct, head on over to the Project Direct website, projectdirectcoaching.com. Links to the programs we discussed on the episode are also all right there in your show notes. And if you're enjoying the show, help us out by rating us and leaving us a review. I'm told the internet gods smile favorably on us when you do that. You can also support the show by contributing to our Patreon. Links to that are in the show notes too. And if you want more content, you can always follow us on the gram. You can find me, Lauren, at Good Spray Coaching, and Caitlin over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. You can also find the show over at The Average Climber Podcast. Music for this show was created by Devin Dabney. This show was produced by Josh Hayfley, editing and mixing by me, Lauren Abernathy. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. Go to PlugToneAudio.com to learn more about the other great shows on the network or to learn about working with our production team. Until next time, keep it average. All right, let me tell you about. (laughs) So I thought it was just that I drank too much. So let me just, it was, this was a bad day. I, I, Mike and I wanted to go see the manatees while we were in Florida because Mike was like, manatees are like the dogs of the sea. You're going to love it. And I was like, all right, I'll go see the manatees. (laughs) I'm excited. And then, so the, apparently it's better to go to the like 6 a.m manatee tour because the manatees are the most out and i was like i'll dawn patrol for some manatees fine but it's like an <laughs> hour and 15 minutes away so we have to leave at like 4 45 a.m the day that we're going to like this big greek wedding so i wake up at 3 45 and just like proceed to puke my guts out for the next hour before we leave to go see the manatees and like did i drink too much yeah but after what happens next, I'm like, I think something, I think I had like also food poisoning at the same time. I have no idea. It was horrible. So then we're like getting ready to leave. And I'm like, well, there's definitely nothing left in my stomach. So I'll just like bring a baggie with me and just make it work. And we're just going to drive to go see the manatees. And Mike's like, are you sure you're good? And I was like, the manatees will make me feel better, I think. And he was like, okay, <laughs> so you're just going to go get on a boat. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> So then we get, so we drive all the way there. I'm like dry heaving the whole way. And Mike's mom is also with us because she wanted to see the manatees too. So then I, it's so bad. And then we get there and it's like still pitch black outside and no one's fucking there. And it turns out there are no tours that day. They booked us on the wrong day and we drove all that way for nothing. Oh my God. It was awful. And then we like, turned our asses around and then we we were like back home by like 9 a.m and then we like nap for a couple hours i wake up and i still feel horrible like i can't keep even like i can't even keep like a sip of gatorade down without having to go like immediately puke again so then i'm like mike i'm not gonna make it to this wedding i need to go to like an iv clinic so i go to an Mm -hmm. iv clinic and they give me like I didn't anti-nausea stuff and all these things. And then I feel better, but still not a hundred percent. And it was just wild. I yeah, it was horrible. Holy shit. Like yeah. you definitely started out a long a wedding day with 
a manatee tour that didn't happen with food poisoning. <laughs> yeah, it was. I made it. <laughs> we left the wedding at like 730 p.m. though. I was like, the fact that I made it here is a miracle, but... It was also a Greek Orthodox wedding, so we had to, like, stand up and sit down, and the whole ceremony was, like, singing. It was actually, <laughs> oh it was actually a big, fat Greek wedding. It, it really was a big, fat, extremely rich people Greek wedding. Are they wedding. ever not, though? Like, are, aren't they yeah. all the same? Yeah. It's and I found work. out what color stomach acid is. Oh. Yeah, bright yellow. You it's, know it. <laughs> I was like, did I have yellow Gatorade? And then I was like, oh, wait, just my stomach acid. I didn't need that. <laughs> so yeah when you messaged me I was like because you the way you worded your question I was like um it sounds like something else is wrong you should figure that out (laughs) yeah no it was it was bad Carly when was the last time you had food poisoning (laughs) oh gosh oh I actually have okay so I was driving this is when I was like initially moving away from the front range and Garrett and I were checking out these job opportunities down in Durango because like Durango is pretty tight you got like the San Juans and the but you're close to the creek you can kind of like pick your season if you live there we're driving down to Durango and I was super psyched and I had like two beers and a burger at dinner in Buena Vista this is this is probably 2016 and instantly fell asleep when I got back into the car and I like awoke in like a like a pull over now and (laughs) hacked no the window like somewhere on highway 287 like for like it, it was very very violent and then it was all over it was like not a it was like a very terrible efficient process that my body did it was just like no we're ejecting this yeah and then an hour i was like i feel better that's my body was like i think we should puke more and i was like i don't think that's helping i think i'm dehydrated now my body's like no we should just definitely make sure you can't consume a liquid like maybe not i have a lot more stories of uh things trying to come out of the other end of me and that's actually kind of (laughs) makes it really fun (laughs) excellent okay 